Welcome to the world of tomorrow! Exterminate! Computer, status report. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. No! Wrong! Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the August 21st, 2010 edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. In Area 51, listening to Devo and watching Alien Resurrection 14 because there were so many unanswered questions in Alien Resurrection 13, I am the Dome. Joining tonight's Stockcast from the Alston Brighton Hellmouth fighting the good fight outside of Boston, welcome our own personal mistress of both HTML and the soundboard, Kriana. Uh, from the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire tonight, the man who once believed Turkish taffy came from Turkey, but turkeys came from Kentucky, Illustrator X. <laughs> push it, Dome. P- push it real good. And the formerly living bombshell who told Suki Stackhouse to just go with the flow, baby, the dead <laughs> redhead. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> from, from Outpost Gallifrey in Indiana, our caffeine-addicted crop circle investigator and the person who scares young children who play RPG games in dimly lit comic store back rooms, <laughs> Awake by Java. I wish I was a robot. <laughs> <laughs> a bad robot? <laughs> bad robot. Tonight's guest is uh, from the Life Not Project in Vermont, Nick Meyer. Nick, can you, hi, welcome to the show. Thanks, I'm a cyborg. Oh, cool. <laughs> Everybody's got to be someplace tonight. Wow. If, yeah, we're, we're all in interesting places. We're going to be talking about the biological aspects of the Life Dot Project with Nick Meyer in the second half of our show. Nick, you're welcome to hang with us and talk about events of the day, events of the week in science fiction as we go through our first half hour. Or you could... Okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> First of all, uh, if you are on our website and you used it to get to uh, Ustream, you saw that there's been a rather large redesign change of our home on the web. It's not that large. Uh, some very nice things. Well, first of all, you can now see who the hell wrote the posts. <laughs> and there's also a cast page, which has... Uh, our pet peeves, and uh, a little bit about each of us on the cast here at Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Interestingly, as uh, Kriana and I put it together today, we realized that everybody in the entire cast and crew hated Smallville. Except, Except of course, for Illustrator <laughs> X. Uh, I'm not starting this again. <laughs> well, that's good because... Start. We ended it a while ago. You just didn't realize it. Yes. Unfortunately, they didn't end Smallville a while ago. <laughs> there we go. Well, that's there true. We go. This is true. And also, there's a memorable quotes field on the cast page. If you feel like we've misquoted or that there's a better quote that we could put up there, please let us know. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you just ask our listeners to correct us? <laughs> <laughs> some really funny quotes. Like, what's, what's your favorite Illustrator X quote? Obviously, mine was, if you were a meeting, I would hold you. That offers stands. And Kriana, I think your memorable quote pretty much says it all. What was mine again? Bite me. Oh, yeah. 
bite my shiny metal ass, you mean. Yeah, well, what can I tell you? Squee! All righty. <laughs> now, what was your shiny metal ass earlier this week? <laughs> it was in a movie theater seat, right? It was, it was. Zombrarian and I had the good fortune to go to the Rift Tracks presentation live of Reefer Madness. And I must say, we had a fabulous time. Even though we decided to go to the Fenway Theater and there was a Red Sox game. If you have ever been to Boston and tried to go to the Fenway area when there's a Red Sox game, it's tear-inducing. Um, yeah. But we actually, we were actually okay. We got kind of nervous, but then we were just fine. We were just sort of on the periphery of the Red Sox zone. And uh, we got a parking space, no problem. Moseyed on down to the theater to pick up our passes, no problems there. Grabbed a popcorn. Now, the interesting thing about the Fenway Theater, and I, I feel the need to promote them a little because they were so nice to us, um, is they sell drinks in buckets. <laughs> buckets? Wow. For serious. Buckets? Like, usually you'd think, you know, popcorn comes in a bucket, but my small cherry Coke was, like, literally in a bucket. And I was well, like, well, what What do how I do you have? Drink well, I mean, it's it's there's a top and a straw, but it's, oh, it's okay. like a popcorn bucket of drink. Well, I think you said it before. You're, they're competing with Fenway fans, <laughs> you know, Red Sox fans. How are we going to get them away from the game? A bucket of beer. <laughs> well, they don't sell beer. It's a movie theater, but I wish they had. That, that cool. There you go. Now, Rift Tracks is now that's the new project from Mike Nelson, who used to be on Mystery Science Theater, right? It, it is. It is, and there are several Mystery Science Theater. Uh, former cast and crew members who have been or are regulars on it. So we, we got our concessions. We, we went to sit down and we're, and the theater's almost empty. There are like six other people in the theater and we we're like, Aww. man, what the hell? And then, and then, funniest thing is there's an ad for Fathom, Fathom Events, which is the uh, company that put this production on. Just one ad cycling over and over for the first like 10 minutes. <laughs> we were like, oh god, oh god, oh god, why, why kill me now? And then, you know, the lights sort of went down and some, some funny ads came on, and they must write the pre-show ads because they had some utterly ridiculous um, um, pre-show trivia that clearly wasn't true in some cases, but it was hilarious, and I'm not going <laughs> to spoil it for you so you can go to the encore. Um, and as, as we're sitting there, not one... But two pairs of our friends come walking up the stairs towards us. So we got to flag them down and be like, hey, come sit with us. So shout out to Rosemary, Morgan, Amber, and BJ who enjoyed um, the, the film with us because that was totally unexpected. Like, we don't even have to make plans. We just show up for the same stuff. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, we just got there too early. And before we knew it, the theater was nearly full. Which was great, because we, we were kind of like, oh man, is there only six people? So they That's gave so me cool. a, just a little later. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we showed up early just to, you know, get our bearings, make sure everything was in order. Mm-hmm. Now, what's, what's this experience like versus uh, watching MST on, on TV? It's way more fun. Because <laughs> you know they're live, and they're fucking hysterical, and everyone in the theater also thinks they're hysterical. So it's like more of a group experience. Because you, you know how you see them at the bottom of the screen in yeah. their little theater seats? 
this is so much more fun because what they do is they bring their faces up on this to the right of the movie while it's going when they're doing something funny so you can actually see them doing something funny next to the screen it's really really awesome so we had some really good shorts before the before the film started the first one was about the dangers of housewives getting blown up because they're dry cleaning their clothes in gasoline <laughs> Wow. And, <laughs> talk wow. about desperate Wow is right. It was hilarious. Yeah. Vincent Price got blown up. Um, mountains, valleys. There was some really horrible animation of a housewife on fire. <laughs> like, she comes uh, running out of the house, which is live action, and there's animated fire on her. It's oh, hilarious. <laughs> she wasn't just wearing hot pants. No, no. no. Uh, animated uh, flames. Animated flames. And there was uh, an animated Aesop tale, which really had very little to do with Aesop. Actually, nothing. Um, <laughs> and then there were two really cute little shorts by, um, oh, I don't remember his name, from Something Awful. But his daughter wrote them, who is five. And he just animated them in Flash. And one was like, what? So there was a glitter doll. And she was sleeping. And then there was a bunny. And she shot him with rainbows. <laughs> and the other one was about a mermaid who could fly. It was it was spectacular. Did you say a barmaid? No. Mermaid. No. Oh, no. Kermit. Right. Now this was mermaid. um for Madness, you said. Now they're doing this again in a week? Well, well hang on, hang on. I'm looking at it. Long and drawn out story. The, the the very last short is possibly the funniest short because it was about uh, hold on to your seats. Grass. But not what? marijuana. No, 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 just grass. Right, exactly. Oh, <laughs> and grass. that makes sense. You're in the first part of the was how do you find grass? What? How do you find how grass? How do you identify grass? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like, well, it's like this and this and this. Is corn grass? Is no. bamboo grass? So throughout, <laughs> yeah, and they never right. answered the question. So throughout the whole thing, one of the guys kept going, wait, is corn grass? <laughs> <laughs> and then they showed really creepy children from the 70s making really crappy crafts out of grass, like fancy headdresses and fake earrings and tribal colored masks. <laughs> it was hilarious. And... <laughs> So when we finally, okay, that took like a good, almost an hour, I think. That was like a third of the whole thing. But when we finally got to Reefer Madness, it, it was really funny. <coughs> hey. I mean, they have scripts. I didn't know they were going to have scripts, but um, you wouldn't know if you couldn't see the little music stand in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You, you really don't Fun. miss the robots. Well... Like Zombrain said, maybe you do a little, but you're no longer disappointed by their absence. Okay. Fair enough. Awesome. Yeah. So we had a great time. We got Dude. out no problem at the same time as the Red Sox game. And <laughs> oh, I God. would highly recommend going to their um, encore on the what, 22nd. It was a fabulous event. The whole theater was in uproar. The only problem I had... The whole time was the guy smoking the skunky weed behind us. <laughs> it really just smelled like bad B.O. So shout out to that guy who was sitting behind us smoking the really bad weed. 
you need a new hookup. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was oh, reefer uh, madness. I was gonna say reefer madness. You kind of had to expect that. Well, yes, but it was it was even like okay, I've been to college. It was even worse than that. <laughs> wow! Wow! Okay. Uh, it's so, not like bo. <laughs> so riff tracks is a winner for you. Oh man, yes. I they're doing um the house on haunted hill on October twenty eighth. Nice. Live. If you miss it, you will hate yourself. You have to go to it. I'm gonna go. I wouldn't miss it for the whole. You couldn't pay me enough to miss it. Wow, you should never be a depression counselor. Really? <laughs> All right, what else do we have in the news this week? What's what's uh, what's the deal with uh, Neil Gaiman's Doctor Who episode? Oh, um, so Neil Gaiman is writing a Doctor Who episode. Here, here. No news yet on when it might air, but he posted on his blog quite recently a snippet of a scene from... From that episode, which I'm pulling out right now. Now, what about the unsubstantiated rumor that Amanda Palmer will be in that episode? Uh, <laughs> not going near. Not going near it. This is a cabaret. I mean, or, basically, if you the, go to his blog and you read this little bit of a scene, it sounds awesome it's just doctor and amy banter has nothing to do with the plot but it's so them you can just hear them saying the lines as you're reading it mm -hmm. it is nice. it's gonna be I, I i have high hopes for this episode but you know what i hate it i hate hearing about it because i just know that it's you know gonna be another four months until we get anything from doctor mm -hmm. i know yep. i know doesn't it make you want to cry inside I, I already cried. I'm cried out. My tears. You're cried out. <laughs> my tear, my tear reservoirs have yet to fill up. So, but, but isn't isn't uh, Sookie Stackhouse filling the void for you? Yes. Oh, Sookie Stackhouse can fill my void that, anytime. <laughs> she, I was gonna say. I was, I was going to say, there, there's a whole different void attached to Suki. Oh, oh, my. Oh, baby. Okay. Neil Gaiman, we know you're listening to our show like you do every week. Stop <laughs> making Java cry. <laughs> no, keep it. No, no, no. Keep I want to see cry. the snippets. I am fabulous. I like crying <laughs> when it's attached to Dr. You like crying? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I enjoy sorrow. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, to have someone of Neil's caliber... Uh, doing an episode has the earmarks of being an incredible train wreck or possibly one of the best episodes we've seen yet. Yeah, it's an either-or yeah. either thing. There's no middle ground. And my thought is uh, Neil probably wouldn't do it if there was the slightest chance of it being a train wreck. He's got too much writing on it. Was yeah. Babylon Five episode certainly was very good. Yeah, oh, all the episodes of season five. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I, I have a confession to make. Another one? I know. I forgive you. I, I've only just finished American Gods. Oh my oh. gosh! Wow. Well, let's see. If you just finished it now, you must have started oh right after publication because it's so. Th Damn long. Uh, maybe Are you kidding? I got through that read. book in three days. It took uh, me a I week. It fairly quickly. I think I finished it within a week. 
Oh, oh man. God. You can just see he was like, hmm, how am I going to end this? Maybe I'll write another 50 chapters and think about it. <laughs> no, no, I, I love I mean, that book. Coraline was, Coraline was much better. I don't get why people like it so much. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is something I have a particular you know, uh, ability to look at because I grew up in that area. In the entire area where that that book take, takes place, that's where exactly where I grew up. I lived about you know two hours away from the House on the Rock, and that's you know that's where I spent a lot okay, of my time. I've heard of the House of the Rock before, and I definitely want to visit there sometime. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, I think that what really resonated for me with that book was the fact that you know this mythology that he created, this world. Um, was just so damn believable. I mean, it seemed completely and perfectly acceptable to me that these old gods that have, you know, and it was never explained. There were no rules explained about how this whole thing happens. But the the fact that these old gods that have, you know, no longer um, have any regard in the human population have fallen from grace. And, you know, they're now, you know, a little bit more than human and trying to get by as best they can. I thought that was great. It was a completely amazing world to me and it just drew me in right away. But it's it's you know it's it's one of those love it or or hate it kind of deals, I think. I don't know. I was just kind of mad. I didn't hate it. I mean, no, it was But I mean, it either grabs you but or not it with doesn't. the characters. I don't think any of the characters engaged me very well. Yeah. See that and and from uh, I'm pretty much with Java on this one that it was there's just a real flavor to that work, and it, it caught me almost immediately. Mm-hmm. He explores the same themes in the Sandman, though, and I thought it was much better. It was just sort of like a side thing. It says, "Oh, by the way, did you know the gods are still around?" <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, and it's dealt with in Nancy Boys too. I mean, you know, yes, the, the that, that whole that whole thing. I I think that that's one of those um, recurring mm. themes. Those those recurring. Um, archetype ideas that he's trying to create in a lot of his work just because he finds it so fascinating. The way that mythology has has changed our lives and and how it changes over time. So he continues to be one of those authors that I would probably not know what to say to if I encountered him on the street. Speaking of authors, you wouldn't know what to say to if you encountered them on the street. What a great segue that is. Yeah. Um, It sure as hell has been Ray Bradbury week, hasn't it? Woo-hoo! Yes, indeed. I don't think I would him in the eye if I met him on the street at this point. And I, I'm not yes. I'm not even sure how best to approach this. That there's an awesome video out there that kind of makes fun of Britney Spears and yet lets all the geeks in the world who love sci-fi uh, show their sexy side? How's that? And we have a lot of sexy side. <laughs> yes. Don't Uh-oh. be dead, redhead. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, first we of all... We know you guys like it with the glasses mm. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Okay, I'm just going to I'm just gonna not say a word. <laughs> <laughs> because anything I say is going to get me in trouble or <laughs> the wrong kind of attention. There yeah. you go. So... Hey, yeah. First of all, Bradbury comes out with his We Got Too Many Internets deal, which I thought was just funny. I mean, you know, that's just classic old curmudgeon Bradbury at work. Yeah, I'm surprised X hasn't said that first. I know. <laughs> mm. we got- and, 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 then, 
Hey guys, if you if you notice in X's dislikes, the first thing is those damn kids who are always on his lawn. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's got to be them because it's brown. Man. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, there's this music video. And then I found this picture posted of him listening to it. Which is weird and creepy. The I picture is one, perhaps one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in my life. We're going to uh, post all three up there. This is the the penultimate yeah. not safe for geeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I w I watched it with some friends and I felt vaguely uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Male friends or female friends? Both. Both. Uh -huh. That explains it. I, I, I needed some time in my bunk. <laughs> no, the, the best comment I read about it this week was from some girl who wrote, I would love to be in the sequel, but I'm never going to fuck Harlan Ellison. <laughs> oh, 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 man. Oh, no. And I was like, wow. <laughs> And, and you know yeah, what? I mean, I do. I do take sure what we're talking about. The whole thing is that it's a video, and I'm not going to say it. But right. we have a young lady who is proclaiming her outright, not just love, but lust for Mr. Bradbury, and would like to uh, get to know him carnally a little bit better. Yeah. Somebody start singing. Let's get physical. That's not Illustrator X. <laughs> Please. Uh, Wait, I think that needs to be my memorable quote. <laughs> although, I do have the leg warmers on. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so uh, if nobody's going to do Harlan Ellison, how did his new uh, comic book come into being? Well, I don't know, actually. I, I uh, went into the store this week to uh, check out the new comics, and I almost fell over. They have actually adapted his script for the Star Lost into a comic book from his original script. Now, if you know anything about the Star Lost, it is a legendary TV show. One of the all-time worst things uh, <laughs> that the TV industry has done to a writer's script. Thank is you it, for putting it that way, because the original script itself is absolutely marvelous. Oh, and, God, and yes. it got turned into a network train wreck. Although oh I don't know my why God. I'm worried. Yes. I really doubt that Harlan's actually listening to us. And, uh, but he'll hear about it. Uh, but he'll hear about it, trust me. That's true. I, I keep forgetting he does have a computer, right? And people tell him things, and then no. he calls Illustrator he, X. He has, <laughs> he has two monkeys rubbing Velcro for him to get the electricity going. Wait, does but, he still call you? And, Every uh, once in a while, we get these messages. <laughs> are you kidding me? That's oh. kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not me. <laughs> and, uh, no, your your messages are private as always. You do it. <laughs> Bing. Hey, hey, dead redhead. I got a message yes. for you. What? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, by all means, go. I mean, the the new issue is on the stands now. By all means, go and check it out if you want to see the unexpurgated um, original version of this classic story. Um, and speaking of classic stories, something about the X Men is in the news this week. Oh man, there is a ton, ton of new news about X Men First Class. First of all, uh, first of all, is there? 
Is there anything first class about the X-Men movies at this point? There absolutely is. Okay. Don't be a smart-ass young man. (laughs) It was my first time. I'll never do it again. Okay, the movie's going to (laughs) go... Go into a classic setting. It's going to be set in the 1960s. So so it's a young Professor Xavier. And Michael Fassbender is a young Magneto. Interesting. John F. Kennedy is president at the time of the movie. And Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, all are part of the texture of it. Uh, It gives it a very, what they're looking for. What they're going for is a very alternate history feel. That's and, awesome. I right. That. Now, this is where Martin Luther King assembles them, right, to become the Malcolm X men? Oh, God. Probably oh. kill him. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, can we get a holy zombie Jesus there, please? Holy zombie <laughs> Jesus. Uh, wait, which holy zombie Jesus? Did you mean, did you mean? Holy zombie Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> well, the X Men did come out in 1963. That was yes, the, it the, the started, so it makes sense, kind of, that they're doing this. But I like the fact that they're going with an alternate history feel to it. And what's even cooler mm-hmm. is that, at least in the beginning of the movie, McAvoy as Professor X will not be bald and will be walking. Mm. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. But apparently at but. some point in the movie, we do see how he ends up in the chair. Direction unclear. Please repeat request. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're two for four at this point. I thought the first two X-Men movies were excellent. Uh, and then X3 and Wolverine just really lost their way. So. I liked Wolverine. I thought it was cute. Yeah, that's about all it was. It, uh, all right, you just described Wolverine as cute. I don't think that's what they were looking for. <laughs> oh, what's yeah. even worse? Wait, 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 wait. But at the same time, we're dealing with that. Hugh Jackman just signed to do Wolverine too. More cutie wooties. <laughs> <laughs> Die, Wolverineer. <laughs> you know, I have to say though that little uh, fa- was it a fan? that went out, the little um, where they called pieces from old movies together to do the Avengers right. thing. Showing Yul Brenner as <laughs> Professor X was pretty cool. Although I did really think he was supposed to be Namor. But I think that would have been really cool for Yul Brenner to be, have been Professor X. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But they're calling Wolverine 2 the, pre- the sequel to the prequel. The sequel to Oh My Head. Live free or die, Wolverine. I'm telling you, um, I'm, I don't have a lot of hope for that. I don't know why it's even being done, to be honest with you. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I think the bottom line is the reason they're doing it, like they do any of these things. Well, whatever. They're making Buffy soda nowadays, so, I mean, you know, anything's possible. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sorry, limited edition Buffy soda. Well, yeah, of course it's limited edition. It's <laughs> like Pepsi free, for God's sake. <laughs> or, or... Hey, the can says it's free. Hey, you know what? If we ain't getting paid, we're not saying the brand, okay? No, we're not. But no. we will post the link to it, maybe. Maybe. 
Possibly. But if they pay us. If they pay us, <laughs> we'll definitely say the brand. We're sellouts. Right. Well. But I don't know. I don't know what we're selling out for, but we've reached that point in the show where it's time to spin the wheel of fish. <laughs> Wait, you before we spin the wheel of fish. Don't we have one last horrible movie new- news item to discuss? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Oh, no. Java, Java, come on. Well, there's two. There's two. I just put one on there. I don't know if you guys saw it. I did see it. I did see it. And I think I, went, I just threw up thinking about it. I didn't okay. see it. What is it? Okay, so here's the deal. Here's the, here's the down low on this whole thing. Uh, according to um, some people involved with Indiana Jones. No! This, this, is, this, is how the process, this is how the process works. Um, they come to some... The, the picture studio and, and George uh, Lucas come to some kind of a little bit of a agreement. And then George goes away for a long time and works on it. And then Steven Spielberg and the company get something back. Well, they just got something back. Uh-oh. And oh, apparently no. Shia LaBeouf... LaBeouf. LaBarf. <laughs> Which means the cow? Yeah. He was, okay. he, was pulled, he was pulled in to do some reading... And he, he said that it sounds, and this is a quote, I got called into Steven's office and he pitched a little bit to me and it sounds crazy. It sounds really cool. Now, uh, I, have, I have great respect for Shia LaBeouf. I don't. Somebody had to. Because, <laughs> sorry. Because, you know, yeah. <laughs> because that hair just does not happen naturally. <laughs> <laughs> but... As far as his opinion on what is really cool, I can't, I can't vouch for him. So um, anything that has uh, him involved in it, I don't know. The, the only shred of hope that I'm, I'm holding on to is that it, whatever it is, it can't possibly be worse than the crystal skull. Yes, it can. Uh, don't ever now, say that because then it'll come true. Now, one of the major backers of this this new film is Frigidaire, right? <laughs> they Actually, wanted that more was one of more the refrigerators. Jokes. They had a seventies fridge. They were like, "Indiana Jones, get out of my fridge!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so funny. Hit us with the, the wheel of fish. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what to say about it. I just I hope it I hope it dies. Please, dear God. A quick and painless death so that we don't have to die a slow and torturous one while we're watching. It's about that Can't time. be any worse than Mansquito. Did a dad dream. All right. We hey, you know, I saw... Before, before speak. we do our thing, um, wasn't there some double midnight news? Yes, uh, we do need to mention that. Our friends at Double Midnight um, are expanding their store. Uh, everybody go to dmcomics.com and check out the news and uh, just see why they are one of the greatest comic stores in America. And if you're so in the Redmond area, come on down and say hi to Shadonda. Shadonda! <laughs> we love you, man. You might even see that crazy director over there that they talk about. Oh, Wickersham Delacroix could be there as well. That's yes, right. Indeed. All right. 
He could have Googled it, but he's just too lazy. Okay. <laughs> wheel of Fish time, guys. Not Wheel of Fish. Random number generator. Are you ready? Here we go for it. No whammies. Come on. Whammy. What? Uh, once again, we've whammied out, have we? Yeah. Guys. It's all right. Hell, guys. That means it's another David Mack comic for me to have. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what's the prize this week for our listeners? I'm going to leave that David Mack comic up, and I am going to add to it a Bender mug. Woo! He's upping the ante. I'm so upping the ante. And how do our listeners get a David Mack comic in a Bender mug? They have to leave any sort of comment on the post with this podcast. You could tell me about your cat. You can just say hi. <laughs> I don't care. Any sort of comment will do. Now, I understand that if Harlan Ellison really doesn't like the comment that X made about him, and I wouldn't blame him if he did. What did I say? <laughs> that he should leave a comment and he gets the bender mug. What do you think? I think our website doesn't have enough space for his comments. <laughs> I would print his novel right there in the comments section. We have a very patient guest <laughs> who needs to be brought in at this time before a leading sci-fi author tracks me down and kills me. <laughs> or two. I Joining us for the second half of uh, the show is Nick Meyer from the Life Not Project. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. The oh, cool to be here. Okay, we've got some triple noise in the background there. <laughs> yeah. And Nick, if uh, for those of us who are unclear about what the Life Not Project is, give us a little bit about how it works and who Mia is. <laughs> Well, basically, the Life Knot Project, and that's uh, Life Knot spelled like astronaut, N-A-U-T, dot com. Um, <clears throat> it's, a, uh, it's a project that's the, 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 the kind of overall goal of it is uh, it's a, a place for you to create a backup of your life. And it has a, a sort of mind component, uh, um, a digital component. And then it also has a biological component. And the digital component um, is basically, we've created this, this pretty cool uh, interface that allows you to upload, you know, biographical information, memories in the form of different kinds of files, movies, take questionnaires and stuff like that. And then you can uh, broadcast it out into uh, deep space. And it's also going to be stored for, you know, indefinitely is sort of the, the idea behind it that um, uh, this will just be kind of immortally uh, stored data that, you know, someday may be able to be reanimated with uh, artificial intelligence software. And uh, Mia is our uh, virtual spokesperson. Um, she's a... Uh, 3D avatar. And, and one, another thing that comes with the free... Uh, LifeNot account is the ability to create one of these avatars of yourself, so or of someone else. So I mean, you guys could go in there and make a an avatar for Ray Bradbury or uh, Wolverine <laughs> and post it on your website if you wanted to. 
but um, yeah, so you so you sort of are making this kind of a digital kind of clone of your mind, and then you also have this this uh, biological component, which is you know that's sort of my specialty. I'm I come from a, a biological background. I'm also an artist, like some of you guys. But uh, and and the biological component, uh, basically, you just we send you this kit, and then uh, you 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 uh, gargle water and and uh, collect some of your your uh, cheek cells and, and send it back to us, and then we store the cells alive uh, with their with their biological clock stopped indefinitely uh, on liquid nitrogen, so cryogenically, kind of like uh, you know, like Han Solo. Okay, I'd like to point out that first of all, Hansel was chosen in carbonite, not nitrogen. <laughs> first of all, just to get that straight. No. All right, so if, if you okay. don't mind, I have a couple of purely scientific questions for you. All right. Um, obviously, it, it can't be just water that, that you gargle because there must be some sort of preservative in there to keep the cells alive until they get to you. Is that true? Well, that's a great point. Yeah, because if you just if you just uh, if we just um, put that those cells in water at liquid nitrogen temperature, they'd all explode. And if you know anybody thawed them out to uh, make you know like a surrogate of you or uh, I don't know a clone a new body or a new body part or something like that, it'd just be like oatmeal if you looked at it under the microscopes. But the 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 other kind of catch about that is is the substance that we use to um, it's called vitrify the cells is fairly toxic. So what we do is is uh, is you just gargle um, water and actually from one of our our centrifuge tubes, which is like uh, it's it's 40 milliliters. I'm, I'm you know it's probably like a quarter of a cup. You're getting uh, thousands of cells so we get these thousands of cells we um, separate them from the water and then we add this uh, vitrification solution this stuff called cryostore which is uh, produced by this company called biolife solutions it's a, a kind of a cutting-edge um, substance that prevents the cells it actually causes when they when you when you um, Bring bring the sample down to temperature. It doesn't actually freeze. It goes into this kind of weird in between um, state of matter that people call glass. So it, there are no there's no formation of ice crystals that can destroy the cells. So like yeah, super that's, cooled. yeah, a super cooled liquid, which is what glass is. Um, could you say that again? A super cooled liquid, like super cool. That's what they, I'm not oh yeah, it's uh, negative it. 180 degrees centigrade. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So we have this uh, this uh, control rate freezer that we program to to bring bring the sample down at the you know the ideal um, curve to to bring it down to temperature safely. But the, the, what I think is pretty cool about it is that these cells are. Um, just like I said, they're alive and they're stored indefinitely with their clock stopped. So, you, so you know, must confirm they're alive when you receive them, right? How do you do that? Oh, that's a great question too. There's actually this uh, this 
this uh, it's a really easy process. There's a substance called uh, Taipan Blue, and it's a dye. And you put it. Um, I take when I when I when I get a sample, I just take a small sample of the cells, like uh, 125 microliters, and look at it under the microscope with this dye. And um, if the if if the dye gets into the cells, then they're dead. So if they look like you know blue water balloons, then they're dead. But if they're if they're um, you know translucent and the dye is on the outside, then they're alive. Okay, that that ended the easy questions. Now I have a humdinger for you. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say tripan blue because I thought that would be the easiest way to do it. So. Your, your ultimate goal, perhaps, is to generate a whole new body from the cheek cells, correct? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not, it's not, I, that's not something that we're doing research on. We're just providing the service of, of storing the cells. So, you know, someday if that's in, if some kind of ectogenesis type thing is invented someday, then these cells will be available for that. So no one in your in your company, as far as you know, is currently actually working on that research. Right, we're not like we're not re researching human cloning in the basement or anything like that. We're just we're just storing cells. Well, for... Let me just tear up my job application then. Fine. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a question, and and I don't know if you'll even be able to give me a cohesive answer or even just an opinion or your thoughts on this. Have you ever heard of epigenetics? Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, just this is the basic idea behind it is that um, beyond, like, sort of beneath the the uh, the genetic code of the nitrogenous bases, like ATCG, like uh, you know, the Becca movie. Um, there's a there's a sort of sub level of information um, storage that you know some people think is has even more um, informational uh, capacity than than the code itself, like with uh, positions of uh, like histones and um, yeah, I mean there's all kinds of cool uh, places where people think that um, you know different. Um, places where information can be stored. Well, here, here's you know, and question. also, wasn't there, isn't there a video game that's all based on that? Um, oh, Assassin's Creed. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I think I saw this game called uh, Assassin's Creed, where it's the whole premise behind it is that all this uh, information is stored in the in the epigenetic information, and it's kind of it's kind of linked to like reincarnation and this. And Java, in the game, you're you like this that assassin game? that gets reincarnated and all mm -hmm. that. Oh, Assassin's Creed, absolutely, yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, that's so cool! I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so my my question is, um, I I know that there's data stored in here because I have found that in my research, but um, uh -huh. I, I specifically deal with not histones and chromatin formation so much as in methylation of CPG islands, which means if you have a C followed by a G base, sometimes the C has a little extra thing on it that can sometimes block transcription if it's on a um, promoter, and this can change yeah. the way that genes are expressed. Uh-huh. Um, 
So everyone knows that you have all of the same genes in every cell of your body. You have the same DNA. No problem. Absolutely. We know this. Yeah. But you're getting a sample of cheek cells, and cheek cells have their own epigenetic pattern, which basically has made them cheek cells. Because in order to right. differentiate, they need to change, you know, their epigenetic pattern. We don't know a lot about epigenetic patterns right now and how, I mean, we know that they can be changed by behavior, environment, you know, not to mention her inherited. But mm -hmm. from, from a cheek cell, how could you hypothesize that you could rebuild the epigenetic structure of an entire person? Well, um, have you heard of uh, induced pluripotency? Yes, I actually work with those as well. Uh huh. But but I'm oh, saying it cool. would be the oh. same epigenetic pattern as you because your epigenetic pattern has been influenced by where you grew up and what you ate and how you know you took care of yourself. All of these things can change your methylation patterns at least. What sort of chemicals right. you're well, exposed to. I mean, that's a, that's a really great point. And, um, I mean, I, I go so far as to say that, um, you know, in the same way that they've been able to induce lots of, of, of different kinds of cells back into um, stem cells, and then, you know, the stem cells can then differentiate into any cell or, you know, even a, a whole entire new body, our thinking is, yeah, you know, there it hasn't been um, all figured out yet, but um, if we're storing these live cells, if they're really easy to collect, um, you know, maybe someday people will be, have a way, have a, have a methodology for um, inducing these um, epithelial cells back into um, pluripotent stem cells, including the, the epigenetics and all that. Right. So you're, I mean, again, you're, you're basically just saying the technology doesn't exist at this time. You're just saving right. these particular cells just in case at some point in the future it does exist. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all, I mean, what do you got to lose, you know? I, you're just gargling <laughs> a, a mouthwash and putting it in the mail. It's kind of... Well, it does cost money. Well, it, we 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 ask for a donation, but um, it's uh, it's actually we've we've been we've been talking about it with the board of directors, and and uh, we're actually um, kind of switching gears, and we're going to offer it just like the the uh, mind file, the digital part is is free to everyone in the world. The the uh, the bio file we're going to basically offer free. I mean, you have to pay for the shipping for the kit, but. Um, we're just going to ask for donations, so it's not—it's not like a paid service. Wow, how are you? How is that financially feasible? I mean, do you have some pretty big backing there. We do. We—I mean, we have an endowment, and um, you know, our our uh, another kind of revenue stream that we're trying to help along is uh, through through um, advertising on our website. So I mean, we have uh, we have some goals for for um, and plans for for how we we plan to uh, keep things going indefinitely. Excellent, Nick. Uh, how how optimistic are you? I mean, do you see like uh, do you see like in the next twenty years, fifty years, hundred years that this is 
is something where Life Knot will be vindicated and, and you know, we'll have all these clones going around? Well, um, you know, I, I, it's tough to say. I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm a scientist, and so, you know, I, I try to think about things in a real practical, logical way, but, yeah, I mean, there, you can't deny that that uh, that science is, and technology is just uh, growing at a and at an exponential rate. I mean, things are just changing so fast, and you know what was science fiction yesterday is science fact today. And you know, I think we kind of occupy this this kind of niche that's that's somewhere in between. And um, and I think what what is you know, a kind of a here and now very cool thing that's that's uh, associated with with our website right now is you can you can kind of make a uh, this sort of digital time capsule of your life by making this talking avatar. You talk to it, you, it learns from your conversations, and then you know if you're to get hit by a truck, you have this uh, you know this, this sort of digital form of you that. Um, you know, generations and generations from now, people will be able to talk to. So, I mean, I think that's that's definitely, regardless of, of whether or not, um, you know, ectogenesis becomes a reality or, um, you know, mindware and true uh, machine consciousness uh, becomes a reality. I think that, um, you know, that's a really kind of tangible, uh, cool thing that we have to offer. But I, I mean, I honestly do think that um, human-like consciousness will be able to be replicated by machines in the next couple of decades. Wow. Well, we don't really have a flying car yet, and we were supposed to have that by 1959. Where's my jetpack? Exactly. <laughs> right. Dude, so, yeah. The well, General Motors killed the electric car. Maybe they killed the flying car too. They I don't know. They very well, could have. So, I mean, we're stuck, Nick, with with two different kinds of technology here in, mm-hmm. in the Life Not Project that uh-huh. that haven't found a way to coexist yet together. I mean, aside. Right. The, the biological and the digital, you're saying, right? Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, taking hardware and putting it together with wetware is something that, you know, people like Greg Bear and, and David Brin have been writing about for 20 years, and uh, William Gibson, and, and on and on and on. But we're sitting here, and there there is, at one point, the ability to do interesting great scientific things. There is also a massive amount of data being compiled here. Mm-hmm. And where we... Uh, I, I have, you know, we, we live in a, in a world now where there is no longer any privacy of any kind. Anybody right. can... Right. Pontificating again. Be quiet, you. <laughs> <laughs> And with where nothing is private and everybody has access to everything. And you are saying to people, hey, okay, you have a site now where you can just upload your life. Yeah. But how do we know what's going to happen with this information? Do we know? Is there any kind of agreement between LifeNot and the individual uploader as to 
what's going to happen, A, not only with the digital content, but also with the wet content as well, with, with, the, uh, with the DNA. Okay, great. Well, yeah, I got, I got a few things. Uh, that you had a few questions there I need to respond to. Okay. I had a ton so the of first, them. <laughs> yeah. all right. Great. This is a really turned into a really cool conversation. I'm glad you guys invited me. So the first thing is uh, the, the, the melding of, of digital and biological. It, it, you know, it's, it's just another one of those things where once, once you get involved in a, in a, in a kind of fringe crazy project like this and you start to get educated about you know what's really out there it's really it's really amazing how how me- how much of this is already in existence there are uh i mean there's a guy Philip Donahue from Brown University who's who's uh, done a lot of research on uh neural neural implants where he he um uh, that's this guy named uh, Richard Nagel was a was a guy that was a victim of uh, random violence. He uh, was stabbed in the neck, and he volunteered to be a participant in this uh, experiment. And he got this brain implant and uh, was able to just sit there and send emails, work his computer, even though he was completely paralyzed just by thinking about it. Mm-hmm. There are these, and and now even more recently, there are these things called these neuro headsets, which I mean, some of you guys may have heard about that are partly being uh, inspired and funded by the the gaming world. But you just wear these these neural headsets. Uh, there's there's two uh, main companies I know of. One is called NeuroSky, and another one's called Emotive. That um, you just wear these headsets, and you can control your computer mm-hmm. by. Um, thinking about it i mean it's it's still still like you know pretty early technology and 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 there are definitely some flaws with it but it's it's uh you know some kind of first steps at um you know melding the digital and the what you call the wet biology and uh the dry biology and i mean just think about what uh you know, I think some of, they've even done some experiments with people in people in wheelchairs being able to, you know, move their wheelchairs around all the motors and stuff just by thinking about it with these headsets. Um, so the second that's that's just you know my two cents on on where that's going. The second thing had to do with uh, uh, all the information on the internet and the privacy and all that and. Um, you're right. I mean, uh, um, it, the, privacy is is just kind of disintegrating. You're just, I mean, people are talking about you know having vasectomies on their Facebook page, and it's everything's out there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, and that's actually one of the next things we're we're working on is is uh, getting a uh, data aggregation engine implemented into our um, lifenot.com um, mind file um, side of things so that that stuff will be, just be automatically pulled in. So I think what it really comes down to is is what you, you, you know, you have to make choices about what you want to put uh, out on, on the Internet and, um, you know, I mean, it'd just be silly to put your bank account number or, what you know, Things that are really personal to you on any website, even if they promise that it's 110% um, secure and you know ha- unable to be hacked into. So, I think it kind of comes down to you know personal choices that uh, 
that uh, life knots make in in uh, in creating these accounts that um, regardless of what any any um, uh, you know user agreement says, you just kind of have to watch out for your own ass, you know. Okay, so so what I'm getting is that I shouldn't do the knife life knot thing because. Um, <laughs> there's there's the there's the brief uh, the small possibility that in the future my clones are going to end up being slaves on a planet like Mars mining something. <laughs> well, what I'm thinking well about I guess I mean like, I, I, it's definitely not what I'm trying to encourage you to do. I'm encouraging <laughs> you to be like an astronaut with your life and just you know go boldly go where no man has gone before. Well, yeah, it almost sounds like Sleeper, where the Woody Allen movie, where he wakes up and then there's all this stuff that's so different, and he's trying to yeah. acclimate to everything. And like when they show him the the pictures that he's making up yeah. all this stuff, obviously it's funny on there. But on another side of it was when Warren Ellis did something called Transmetropolitan. It's a comic book. But he talked about these people who had been cryogenically frozen, and then when they bring them out of it. They're so disoriented and disillusioned that they don't even know what to do with themselves. They become like the hordes of homeless. Well, mm. you know. Uh -huh. Well, at least here you'll be treated with dignity. Okay. <laughs> Get on the <laughs> Good All I can see is 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 Duncan Idaho coming out of you know from the Dune novels. Yes. Oh, you know, we yes. keep going into the year ten hundred billion, and there's still a Duncan Idaho, and he's just like. Really? I'm still alive? Really, guys? <laughs> Is that the guy How that had those, have their those, uh, those growths on his skin that he had to squeeze in those syringe things to get the fuel out of them? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and again... That was so gross. Yeah. The kind of last thing that I wanted to touch on was uh, um, going, going back into the science fiction-y aspect of this, which is frankly, where it all kind of is for me. By the way, I've been talking to Maya through this whole, Maya through this whole thing, and uh, she's now claiming... She's inappropriately obsessed with her. I know. She's <laughs> now, she, today she's claiming that her name is George and that I'm a chatbot, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But Highland wrote a, uh, a novel called I Will Fear No Evil, in which the mind, the, the physical brain of uh, a person who is dying is transferred into the body of a healthy human being who is dead, who has just recently been killed. And uh -huh. the concept of nature versus nurture, which, which set of genetics actually owns the body, the brain that is physically running it, or the DNA which is the person who had the body. And the answer ended up in this book being both of them run the body together and both of them actually own this body. We run a risk and, uh, with uh, biophile and the growing of genetic uh, cloning material and actually uh, genetic full bodies through cloning growth of doing things of which we have limited ability to understand right now. And as we are also storing uh, seeds in Norway for plants that have been dead for hundreds of years and genetic uh, 
plant mutations in Norway in, in cryo vaults. We're going to store our own DNA now with little or no understanding of where it might be in the future. Well, so, you know, people did that. People have been doing that for decades, though. Um, there's been a bit of publicity about HeLa cells in yes. lately. I don't know if you have never heard about that. HeLa is a breast cancer cell line. It was actually the very first immortal cell line. And the woman who unwittingly donated these cells had no idea at the time. And now her family is still poor. And they're like, well, what the hell? We, we want some compensation. But how do you compensate them for something that now is readily available thousands more than thousands probably millions of people have come into contact with these cells they are generations and generations hundreds upon hundreds of times removed from the original source and it, it brings up a set of issues that people have very strong opinions about so i think that we're going to deal with these issues in, in one way for one set of ideas and find that maybe the same conclusions are applicable to a whole other set of ideas. It's very, it, there, there is a component of terror in any new endeavor in which there's, there's an unknown so close on the horizon and you have to stare at that horizon and try and figure out whether it's worth it to march towards it. In certain aspects, I look at this LifeNot project and I go, you know, this is pretty damn cool. And then I look at that horizon and I wonder, but then again, I'm old and I'm pontificating. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so, Nick, I... Oh, no, I agree. I think that there's de that those are definitely really very, very valid points. And I think that we're, we're trying, part of what we're trying to do is to get a dialogue going about these kind of things before the technology actually comes, rather than having the technology suddenly come like it came with... Uh, with say uh, you know genetic engineering or um, stem cell research, um, and then all of a sudden people and, are making and decisions. Then, and then as a kind of out. a reactive thing, there were all right. these laws and you know heated conversations. We're trying to get the conversation going now, you know, before the the these kinds of things are actually developed, so so that you know maybe even there can be some laws beginning to be. Uh, put in place and or at least conversations about laws and I mean I definitely uh, think that yeah I, I mean um, all of this has to be done in a very ethical way and with any new technology um, there are risks and and uh, um, yeah it's got to be done in a in a in a, in a way that um, is is uh, ethical and um, does no harm and this is the conversation that we couldn't finish tonight if we wanted to, and I'm not sure that we want to, but we do want to keep in touch with you, and we want to see what hey, goes yeah. on. Yeah. Nick, I, I would really appreciate it if you could send Illustrator X over some of the citations for the studies that you mentioned about the brain implants. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Sure. All righty. So anyhow, Nick, thank you so much for joining yes. us tonight. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thanks say, for I'll having me. I'll trade you for my boss's latest epigenetic mouse IPS cell paper. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'd love to uh, hear more about it. And, you know, like I said, anybody can create one of these accounts at lifenot.com. And that's spelled like astronaut, lifenot. And we will so have thanks that. thanks a lot. 
Yeah, we'll have that link posted on our website with the podcast tonight. It has been an cool. absolute pleasure with you. And X. <laughs> it's time for the coming up calendar. So next week, we have a weird interview with the weird documentary filmmakers of weirdco.com. That's W-Y-R-D-C-O.com. And then September, why the month of September is Secret September. Can't tell you who the guests are yet. You'll just have to tune in. October 2nd, Dirk Manning spins over 50 interconnected stories in the latest installment of Nightmare World graphic novels. (laughs) (laughs) And then the volume went down. Let me know when she sings her song about Illustrator X. On October 9th, (laughs) October 9th, Scarewolf and the Horror Host Gang from Saturday Fright Special will stop by. And on October 23rd, Hunter Lagore returns for the long-awaited release of The Last Man Anthology. Saturday night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music um, is by whoever the chick is who did the Ray Bradbury song. <laughs> Got her CD whenever they get around to releasing it. <laughs> and, um, you know, I do want to say, uh, Nick, um, we shape the future by what we do today, and uh, with Life Not, you are definitely taking an active stance in uh, bringing the sci-fi dreams that we had uh, into reality. So hats off to you. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. All right, Nick Meyer, thank you very much for joining us tonight from the Alston Brighton Hellmouth outside of Boston, sitting in her soundboard. Brianna, thank you for all that you do. Sorry, I'm rocking out right now, What? <laughs> from the four color <laughs> great thanks to illustrator x and the dead redhead bloody hugs and kisses everyone Woo-hoo! and from outpost gallifrey our crop circle investigator thank you java s is for space l is for love and this is the dome saying Shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased, thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. Good night. Steve called me up and said, wanna hang out tonight. We could see an indie film or just grab a bite. I said, oh, Steve, you're cute, but a movie's not.